What's up, guys? It's Rowdy Reviews. <laughs> it's uh, your co-host, Rudy, and co-host... Kyle. Man, how you feeling today? Uh, yeah, I I mean, I'm like slightly tired, but I'll be alright. So, um, uh, what are we going to review today? Uh, we're going to do Hereditary, and, uh, I don't know, maybe touch on Rosemary's Baby a little bit, because we, uh, definitely found some similarities in the two. So, that's what we're reviewing today. Yeah, so, um... How would you describe Hereditary in, like, a non-spoilerly fashion? Oh, man, you really want me to summarize that movie? <laughs> it's, like, kind of hard to do. Uh, I don't know, I'll describe it as, like, I mean, demon possession. Wicked... Hey, I think it's kind of like what you said. Uh, it's a, a family drama. With demons in it. <laughs> yeah, with some demons in it. Yeah, with some demons and some... Cults that worship a demon. Just some good old wholesome demon possession. Yeah, man. It's like how I'm, uh, it's like how Midsommar is a breakup movie with pagans in it. You know, it's yeah, yeah. You know what I do like about this one? How like how it is a demon movie, but you don't actually see like demons really. I mean, do you? Uh, you see like that blue light, but that's about it. It's yeah, the blue light is like the representation of the demon like overtaking its host. But you know, it's not like your typical demon possession movie, like how they make the demon look like this big spooky monster. It's more of just like it's more of a, a spirit. So, yeah, it's it like that also. It just like it really just shows. Cool. Like you know, honestly, if you like take out the demon, like the demonic possession that kind of happens in this movie it's literally just a family falling apart for the fact they can't cope with the death of their daughter mm-hmm. that's the basic gist of the whole movie it's people that are trying to cope with the death of their daughter and it's kind of how you see their own like decay and demise taking place after the death yeah and I think Ari Aster just knows how to, Ari Aster just knows how to like show the human condition in so many ways and I've always just really appreciated that about him and um, I just think that in his movies he can like dis- display emotion, and it actually like things are actually kind of scary. I think he's really good at displaying like uh, you know like just metaphorical imagery. You know, like ha- you know the closing shot of like Midsummer is like you see she's kind of like well she's like. She sees that he's burning alive, her boyfriend or whatever. Yeah, right? her ex-boyfriend. But she right. like smiles at the end, and it's like beautiful yet horrific at the same time. And it's just, I just think he 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 understands metaphor, and you know how there's like multiple meanings in just like one shot. I think uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, um, for me, like the the opening shot of this, um. Essentially, is like a epilogue. It's like a it's a eulogy that you see in a newspaper describing like what happened. It's got like the father, like she survived like a daughter, mm-hmm. a uh, granddaughter, and like grandson, and like a husband, father-in-law because her husband died. Like he went crazy, and the son killed himself. And you see, like when she's speaking at the funeral, like the mom who was played by Tony Collette, who did amazing in this movie, mm-hmm. she's like, "There's a lot of people I haven't really seen here. It's kind of weird." Yeah, that's true. Like Tony Collette's performance was definitely Oscar snubbed. By the way, can I just point that out real quick? She got snubbed, man. But uh, 
Well, I just think that goes to show that the relationship between her mom and you know her were not the best, and they didn't really know each other like super well. Maybe quite as well they as they would have liked. So, I think that's kind of what it's getting at, and that she kind of felt this coldness about her her mom, and maybe that she couldn't uh, connect with her. Um, I know that there's tension with the with like her and her mom for a, like a while. Like you, she kind of brings it up briefly at the funeral, and you kind of see it. <coughs> and like Char, like the, she has a daughter named Charlie, mm-hmm. who is played by Gab, uh, who is played by uh, Millie Shapiro, and her, she has a son named Peter, played by Alex Wolf. Two kids that look nothing alike. Yeah, and her I like just had. That's one thing that bothered me is like there's they don't look anything alike. It's like. You're expecting me to buy that they're really brother sister? Hey, maybe it's called divorce, man. You don't know. Well, they definitely didn't touch on that then if uh, it was ever anything that actually happened. It's just so weird to see Alex Wolf in this movie because his first big role was the Naked Brothers Band. Never saw it. It's, it, was, it was a Nickelodeon show and he's playing a movie about <laughs> demons. Wait, is that the son? Yeah, it's the son, bro. Uh, yeah, I never... Wait, how long ago was that show on Nickelodeon? When did you stop watching Nickelodeon? Dude, this was on in like 2007. Dude, you were like 13 at that point. So? You were still watching Nickelodeon at 13? I was I done at 9 or 10. It, dude, it was just on like when I was flipping channels. You over here being a being a being I'm a just saying, about 9 it. or 10. Like that, that's the cutoff, man. You don't watch it. Like when you turn double digits, you got to be done with Nickelodeon, man. Are you the Nickelodeon police now? Or like what I can't... Maybe what I, I am. But it couldn't, couldn't have watched when I was 13 years old. Nine, nine, nine's the cutoff, dude. Once you turn 10, that's game over. <laughs> well, besides the point, he was in the Naked Brothers Band okay, TV yeah. show. And it's just kind of interesting to see him like turn into that. And so he goes in this role. He's the son. And there's like obviously tension because he's a teenager. And he has to be pissed off and annoy his parents just through his bad behavior. Smokes weed a lot. Yeah. So like the daughter... Um, she kind of Charlie has this weird thing where she just like makes a like a click with her noise like. Which yeah, why is, does she do that? Is that like her calling, like her and her grandma, like how they would? Uh, I think like, her I, I would describe really it like maybe they thought it was like I think I read somewhere like it's like a psychological like thing that these kind of like it's like people with Tourette's they have a tick that was her tick, hmm. and it's like something psychologically you can't really explain it, it just occurs. And it's just a good good piece a piece to use for a movie like and then when they use it after her death yeah and it's like, like how they hear it and like they get paranoid when they hear it and they're like what is that did you feel like in some movies like it's kind of like they make those plot devices but they're kind of corny i didn't think that this was corny no i didn't think this was corny at all but do you feel like movies have done that been corny yeah i mean what did, um like what's that that hitchcock used to use he would use like a device to move the story forward. Uh, Chekhov's gun? Nah, make 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 something make. Uh, I'll I'll think of it later. But uh, um, like, give me an example. What are you referring to exactly? Is Honestly, I don't know. I just thought you would know of an example because I was trying to sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> we we actually not smart. We don't know what the hell we're talking about. But we're actually not that intelligent. We're just extremely <laughs> pretentious about everything. We, we try to be about. as. Which I don't even know if we're good at that, but 
We try to be as douchey as possible. Yeah. But like, so I just feel like when it comes to this, when it comes to this movie, they did a really good job at building tension right away. Oh yeah. I, I noticed too, like she starts trying to eat candy in the middle of a funeral and she's very underdressed. Charlie did not care what she wore to this funeral. She's wearing like a hoodie. Yeah, Charlie really doesn't give a shit. But did you also notice the music? Yeah. Like there there was like more subtle. It wasn't it was like even in moments where it wasn't necessarily intense, but it kind of like added to this build up and it was just like this kind of uh, continuing like the same you know music that's just playing and it's just really subtle so you don't hear it like too it's not too overbearing but it's very obvious that it's kind of playing into the effect of the buildup of the scene and I thought that was pretty uh, interesting because I actually hadn't noticed it until the last time we watched it which was one of my like third or fourth time maybe seeing it yeah so, like, this scene was kind of weird because I knew something was off already, like, when Charlie's, like, looking at, like, doing the body viewing, and there's that blonde dude just... Just smiling, like, like and he's got the whitest teeth. Whitest teeth, bro. Man, he, he has a good dental plan, bro. He really does, man. I gotta get on that plan. Yeah, he's just smiling and just staring at Charlie, and I was like, and whoa. Dude, okay. I remember when I first saw that, I was like, what was the significance of that? And I, I was like, is that gonna come into play later on? Are we gonna be... A, like understanding what this dude is even involved in the story for like Ari Aster I mean he's got to have a purpose for putting that shot in there which of course he did so as we see so, later like, on as part of the funeral like she like she, she's eating candy and her dad's like stop that stop well he was also making sure that there was no nuts in there oh yeah the oh yeah right because Charlie has a nut allergy yeah and what you know is going to be come into play later on in the movie. Yes, it did. It did because then they go to a party later on, which uh, it's like is not a party that she was supposed to go to initially, right? She didn't want to go to the party. It was her brother's party. Yeah, so later on in the movie, they're back home and like the husband gets a phone call and it, they're like, he, like, you can tell something is wrong. And like he just blows it off when um, Annie asked about it. He's like, "Oh, it's nothing." And you realize like something really bad is going on, but he's trying to play it off like nothing bad happened. Yeah, what was it? I don't remember that. It was the body being dug up. Oh, spoiler alert! Right. We're gonna spoil the movie. This movie's already spoiled. Damn, but, I forgot. Yeah, this movie. Yeah, who cares, man? It came out like two years ago. If you haven't seen it, too bad. It, spoiler alert: the body is literally the body was dug up, but no one knows that till like the very end of the movie. And we but don't know we, who dug it up. Yeah. So like that occurs, and like she start, and so Annie starts going to support group, and everyone's just quiet. It's like AA, but you yeah. talk about your dead relatives, and she pretty much goes off about how her how dysfunctional her family is. Oh, like yeah. her, like her brother, like went crazy and then killed himself. The father, like what starved himself and died. Who was the parent? There was like a paranoid schizophrenic. I thought. Her brother. Was that who it was? He's the yeah. one who committed suicide, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's like a lot of mental health issues in their family. Yeah. And which you can see is kind of taking place too later on with her. Um, yeah, it was 
it's kind of interesting how you get that aspect. It's like a realistic aspect, but it's also kind of a supernatural storyline added to it. Yeah, it's just like it's like hereditary has like a bigger meaning. Like like yeah. like mental illness can be hereditary in your family, and this really played a big role in this movie. That's why I said this movie. They take out all the supernatural stuff. It's a real life movie about mm-hmm. how people deal with death. Yeah, like a horrible death in the family, and so she's at the support group. And it's pretty much word vomiting everything that like happened to her. Yeah, like, so she's already kind of struggling with you know the death of her mom. Like how, well, how would you feel like, dude? She's probably been struggling with the death of her brother through suicide and the early death of her father. Like, how would you handle that? Yeah, I mean, I'd be messed like, up. You're close with your siblings, right? I know I am. Yeah, I mean, somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. I'd be a little bit startled. I mean, they're all in Florida, so I don't see them, but... Man, shout out to Florida, bro. Shout out to Florida. Shout out to E-40. Yeah, so... um, I just, like, that whole, like... That whole group scene, she just, like... I feel like she doesn't know what to say, but this is, like, the first time she's ever been actually able to vent about her life. Because she's, like, a miniature artist, which I did not know you can make that much money of building tiny houses. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of people use, uh, you know, creative, uh, you know, something like that as artistic in nature. They use it as a creative outlet for expression, you know, and I think someone in her case, that would make sense because she hasn't been able to have that outlet before. And so that was her way for her to get it out, you know, but this is, you're kind of seeing like, her finally letting go of all the things that she held on to in the past. And she's like, actually, it's actually kind of helping her get over it. Maybe I feel like, yeah, until later on. Do you feel like this? Do you feel like in this scene, this is the first time she's actually been able to talk about. Yeah. Cause like with, she's kind of douchey towards her husband. Well, I, I think, you know, they always, there's always that, stereotypical husband that's kind of neglectful but I think in this case it's like the neglectful wife towards her husband and because I think it's obviously because she's struggling with uh, you know her own depression yeah do you think she's depressed oh absolutely totally do totally do so we go on to that and um it shows him it shows uh Charlie in school and like she sees a bird hit a wall and then just what is that supposed to represent? Uh, bro, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. There's some things in this movie I'm like... Uh, well, you know, she cuts the head off the bird. Yeah. Which I'm like, you know, that's not Which very, is symbolic, cool, but it's symbolic because... Well, a lot of heads heads will roll in this movie. Heads roll. <laughs> off, off with your heads. Is she the bird? Uh, later on in the movie, yeah, she's the bird. But she crashes into... The bird crashes into the window. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's all odd, but um, and then it's kind of like that same that same school you know scene is also where we discover uh, what's her brother's name? <laughs> Charlie. Peter. 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 Peter has a crush, oh, and he's girl. like <laughs> just like staring at this girl that's right in front of him that he clearly has a crush on. Then they're talking then, about like the development of like a hero or whatever in like that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. They're talking about story arcs, which is important because this is a movie about stories or whatever. Yeah. 
and like the development of a character and like his character arc will rapidly change really quick. Yeah. And eventually they uh, decide to do some to throw some party. Like so he gets invited to a party and like I guess like so Charlie takes the bird's head, which I thought was kinda of weird because like when I was her age I was playing RuneScape, not cutting the heads off. Oh yeah, is she in high school with this? Nah, she's like middle school. Which also is Or junior weird. high maybe. At most. So like there's a scene before the party where like the, um, Annie's looking for Charlie to t- tell her something and Charlie's like in the middle of the woods and she sees someone like sitting down in the grass and there's fire around them like mm-hmm. for a ritual like esque event and um, she's like watching them and I just remember the mom comes down like Charlie where are you and she sees Charlie and like pulls her away like you will yeah she was like upset about her yeah I'm like doing and she's like, take your socks off. I'm like, damn, can you relax, man? Can you just, like, she's like, well, she's th- literally a middle school kid. She, I think it's, like, her very protective side coming out after having gone through a loss. And it's made her realize just how precious life is. Like, like, yes, man, but she seemed, like, really, like, really just, like, angry at her for some reason. But and then Peter tells... I need to borrow the car. To go to a... Or what did uh, he? What did he say? Like a, I think like a school party or something. So like a school event, and she's like, "Well, you're bringing Charlie." Yeah. And he's like, "Mom, I'm trying to argue with her." And like, like, why do you like? Why do you think? Yeah. Char- like she wanted Charlie to go with him, Be- obviously because she didn't want him to uh, partake in any like crazy drugs. Do you think she knew he was going to a party? Yeah. Really? Then again, well, she's man, not, dude. Like parents aren't naive. Like. Then again, man, and she's like, not naive. I, I look at this as like I didn't go to parties in high school. I went to Vespers and hung out at my friend Evan's <laughs> house and we played RuneScape. Like we would have RuneScape parties where I'd, we'd like set up multiple computers to play it. But this dude. But when you're a parent, you're still always like slightly suspicious that maybe it's a party they're going to. Like maybe they're just saying they're, you know, you you would probably always think about it in the back of your head as a parent. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It is like so that's why she wanted Charlie to go with him. That's just weird. Why are you going to bring your middle school sibling? So that he wouldn't like, partake she, in any drugs, so he'd have to be responsible. to having to be like responsible. A, do you think she may have been like at least a freshman in high school? Nah. I think she's like 13 or something in the movie. I don't kids in high school that are 13. My sister was 13 when she started high school. Well, your sister but was she skipped clearly, a grade. But, your uh, sister was clearly smarter than both of us. Yes, yeah, I was, was uh, like 16 years old. Yeah. I graduated at 19. And so... They go to this party, whatever, and first off, that house and that party was like way too nice to be for like a college student. Oh yeah, I mean a high school student, bro. Yeah, unless it's it, 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 it a wealthy family. Also, all these families had nice houses. Yeah, they did. Now that I think about it, and like they were like there was people having a hardcore cook off in that house. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, what is this? Uh, like, Hell's Kitchen? Yeah, or? Hell's Kitchen <laughs> like, do you remember like, any of the parties you, like you ever went to in college where people like? Dude, it was like Totino's Pizza Rolls. It's like what we would eat. <laughs> we there was one time they're like chopping up like vegetable. I'm like, who does that? There was one time someone was like making migorang, which is like a like ramen but high class ramen or whatever. Yeah. And there's one time someone made a big bowl of that, like a big pot of that, and we just ate it. Yeah. And dude. I was like. That was like the nicest thing we ever like we ever ate. And other than that, that's just weird. Like there, people are baking a cake. I'm like, this isn't even someone's birthday. Y'all are going out for this. And so, um, Peter sees the girl he likes, and Charlie's just 
It's being kind of weird. This, this would be weird. She's just like a... I mean, she's just going through an awkward phase. Like, she's, she's this awkward of, girl. Kind of weird, man. But anyways, uh, he gets her to just eat some cake while he goes and smokes some weed in the other room. Yeah. And, and then uh, she's actually eating started, the cake. And then you nuts. see it had nuts in it. Oh, yeah, because like she early in the movie, out. Like, they clearly show, oh, there's like there's nuts. Like, like uh, she's allergic to nuts. And then in, in, like, in an earlier scene, she's like, you see someone like deliberately cutting up nuts. Yeah. But yeah, they do that and then... Uh, she shows up in Peter's room as he's smoking a... Smoking a doink. <laughs> smoking a doink. Um, and then she can't breathe. And then he has to like... Freak, freaks out and starts driving her... Driving off with her, right? So they go to... Uh, Wait, I have an honest question, man. Why didn't what? they just call an ambulance? <laughs> like, or... Well, if, if you Because they were smoking weed. You're smoking big doinks. And he's a teenager. Damn it. Can you Shit, not drop I'm sorry. Stuff? But no, he's uh he's smoking uh, weed smoking and he's doing illegal. Books. He knows he's gonna get in trouble and he doesn't want like he doesn't want to get caught. Okay, if you know you have an allergic reaction, you gotta carry EpiPen. This family has insurance; they can get EpiPens. Like I understand Americans like you, some people can't afford EpiPens because those those mugs are expensive. But I have yeah. a feeling this family can like can cough up the cheese. If they just it. had that EpiPen, man, this thing one Epi, the EpiPen could have solved it. If yeah. mom made sure Charlie went with an EpiPen, or if this mom, movie does not exist, or the or, or the mom had not forced her daughter to go to a high school party, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like he starts freaking out and panicking, just kind of dips, and then so she is asphyxiating because she cannot breathe. Yeah, because um, and she's trying to get like I don't understand that like she rolls the window down to get air because I. Well, because, like, um, I've, I've seen this before. Like, me and you have both seen it. We both have worked around this type of situation enough when people have allergic reactions or whatever. Like, their throat's closing up. So, I guess she thought How's she How's the would... air going to help? I don't know, Kyle. I mean, I'm not like a the air outside I dropped out of the college. vehicle going to help as opposed to the air that's inside of the vehicle. Yeah, so... He's not, he wasn't even driving that fast at first. Like, oh, we're almost done. Well, he was going 70 on the back roads. I mean... Yeah. My brother would go like 120 on the back roads, and that was that was. Yo, but that's put 70s pushing in his little Volvo C70. <laughs> that's kind of pushing it, man. That's really not cool, man. It's not cool, man. But anyway, so she just starts freaking out, and like he almost hits a, a what a dead a it dead was a dead deer. It was roadkill. But like in the is that symbolic? Probably. Who knows, man? Who knows, man? These rit- stuff these like rituals, man, are kind of weird, and so. Um, he swerves a little bit and he, his sister's head hits a pole and, uh, Dude, the sound off. of it was just like, <laughs> yeah. Like fun fact about that pole. <laughs> so you see the, you see the mom wearing a necklace has like three, it looks like upside down commas on it. And you see the same symbol on the, on the post that she hits her head on and that plays a role in it later. And so that happened. And her head's knocked off, and he like kind of stops the car, and he's like, Ugh. "Her head fell off. Her head's rolling, bro." Yeah. So then uh, he's clearly traumatized after realizing his sister is decapitated. Would you be traumatized, man? Uh, yeah, I'd probably just be a little bit startled. I mean, I might be like just like he was, just like in complete shock of it, and just like he's not sure what to do. He just drives. 
He just drives home and goes straight to his room and doesn't say a word. And then the next morning he wake morning he wakes up to uh, his mom just screaming at the top of her lungs, like completely flipping out, which was like traumatizing for me to have like even to see that scene like it was where she's just like on the bed, like just de- this death growl. Scream. Yeah, and it's like having worked in medical care, man. Like me and you have both seen families in like trauma. And it like that sounded real. Like that literally sounded. Give me PTSD, bro. I was stunned. That got me super spooked. I was like, zwit. But yeah, it was. It was. That's why. I, that's like where I was like, this is a great performance by Tony Collette. Yeah, that's what pissed why me off. Why did she not get an Oscar nomination? It's like, how, it's like how Florence Pugh didn't get nominated for Best Lead Actress for her role in Midsommar. Every Acer just knows how to bring out good acting to people. Yeah, especially the females. Yeah, bro. But but especially Tony Collette, who's an experienced actress. Bro, her role in Little Miss Sunshine, bro, fire. Yeah. Her role in um, Unbelievable, it's fire. Bad. Her role <clears throat> in um, Knives Out, fire. Yeah, she was. She's good there. Bro, the Oscars are clowning on us, bro. Yeah, which fake. We'll have to get in. We'll have to do our Oscar uh, episode where we just on. rant and riot and threaten to assault people yeah. that are associated with it. Let's get to the bottom of this movie, though. Let's get to the nooks, the the, the nooks and crannies, the the, the nuts and bolts. <laughs> the nuts and bolts. That's what I wanted to say. Let's get to the nitty gritty. So, like, on like, so this has all occurred, and Peter's obviously pretty freaking devastated. His sister is dead. Due to his, but there was that driver. dinner table scene where he also brings up, you know, maybe it was her fault too. She should have taken some responsibility, yeah, because she made Him, Charlie go on that when she trip. obviously didn't want to go. Like, it was there ever a time in like you're like growing up that your parents made you go with your older brother somewhere, like something that was obviously meant for him, but like they made you have <laughs> Um, yeah, probably like definitely in high school. I'd have, I mean, I was just kind of forced to it because we lived far away from school, so we like just okay, had to be together all the time. Yeah, but like school. it wasn't like your mom was forcing you to go somewhere with your brother that was meant just for your brother, but you still were forced to go, right? I mean, she would probably encourage me just because, uh, otherwise, I'd just be too antisocial, man. So it was probably, uh, well, probably more from that aspect, not necessarily. I can't relate because, uh, my, my sibling was substantially older than me. So I didn't have to worry about it. Dude, my brother, though, like, he would always almost fall asleep at the wheel. And, like, I'm like, thank God I was uh, here because we're, like, driving back home an hour away. And it's, like, 2 in the morning. And he's, like, falling asleep. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. Whoa. <laughs> like, easy, whoa, easy, bro. Easy. So, I, yeah. I'm like, oh, geez, man. I'm glad I was here. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I understand where the mom is coming from in that aspect of, uh, you know, wanting a sibling to go with the other one. Just, I mean, it's kind of like your buddy. It's the buddy system. Yeah. You know? but, it's just like, like, you can, like, there's a scene where, like, he's, like, trying to deal with it. Like, you see the families deal with it. Where, like, Tony Collette's character is, like, They just dry. don't talk to each other much. Yeah. And if they do talk, it's like, it's just... Covering up, like, you know, it's... Yeah. 
Like Peter has a panic so. attack. Like he, uh, oh yeah, and his friend is smoking big doinks. Yeah, the, the, the doing drugs and it just brings it out though. Yeah, because he's realizing like, man, he, maybe if I didn't do drugs too, like I didn't yeah. drive for a while. It's like super high. It's like his friend's like, yo, it's just weed, man. And he like breaks down crying, yeah. and, it, and Peter's like, just hold, think of his- just hold my hand, man. Just hold my hand. And the dude's like, uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, dude, I hated Peter's cry though. Like Peter's cry in this movie drives me nuts. It was like a yeah, 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 yeah. That's, honestly, that's literally a representation of how we actually cried, bro. I was like, yo, what the fuck are we watching? Like, <laughs> you go, it what, just sounds so ridiculous. What, what is this? But uh, that's, like, that's I guess that's one of the few complaints I have with the movie. I, I was just always confused with like the fact like the fart that the look in the other high school kids' face. He was like, just hold my hand, man. Just hold my hand. Just hold my damn hand, bro. It's like that front bottom song. All I just wanted was a hand to hold. <laughs> like they say, they say that in the song, man. I'm like, Peter is essentially an emo kid, to just yeah. in representation, just without Hawthorne Heights. Yeah, and like that scene was just sad to watch, man. This so the mom keeps going. She keeps going to like these meetings, right? After yeah. and that's after the she, fact Charlie dies too. Yeah, and that's where she. Uh, she meets Anne Dodd's character Joan. Yes. Well, like she's Sinister. about she's about to go to like the the meet, leave the meeting, and and Joan's character flip Anne Dodd's pops out of nowhere. He's like, hey, 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 I know, hey. like steps in front of her vehicle. Like, hey, yo, man, like, I, I ain't that dedicated. Like, if someone doesn't want to stay at this meeting, go to it. They they don't have to stay. I like, I'm not jumping in front of your car. Yeah, but she has a very. She, very good reason for uh, she's very around. convincing of a situation that's true because she could fix the situation which they kind of connect over them both talking about the passing of their uh, their uh, son or daughter supposed yeah and uh, so that's kind of where we're introduced to Anne Anne's character yeah Joanne Joanne yeah. played by Anne Dodd Anne Dodd yeah okay so then where does it go from there Rudy um so from there, it just shows them going to like these meetings, like her attending these meetings or whatever. And <clears throat> she's also ta- telling her husband, like she's not telling her husband that she's going to these meetings. She's talking about, oh yeah, she's like, yeah, she's covering it up, saying like, I'm gonna go to the movies, which I find odd because I don't know. I mean, I I haven't been married, but is that like is that like a thing married couples do? Like they just go out to the movies on their own. Yeah, my parents never did that. Um, like I go to the movies by myself, but I'm also not married. Yeah, in like, a relationship. Like she's a middle aged woman, like with kids. kids. A, well, a kid, a kid now, now, a single kid, <laughs> and a husband, and a husband, and, and, she's and like, also she has an. Oh, we also forget like one thing I liked about this movie is like the shots they made. Like they cut out a house and would zoom in and out of scenes. Yes, and there's a lot. Of, and there's a lot of things. The playoff of that, but she just like is neglecting her husband and like all these other things. She's a she's a miniature house artist and she's completely ignoring all of that. Yeah, because she's, she's going deliberately insane. Like there's this one scene where she's like looking at something in the dark. Oh, it's that like, that really freaked me out. Yeah, that scene that that's the thing. That's this movie generally even out. like as I rewatched, I'm like, yo, I'm freaked out. Yeah, like there there are some. Um, there is, I can say, at least four or five parts of this movie where I watch it on repeat and it still freaks me out. Like, it's going to hold up over time. Like, some of these scares like were just legitimate, legitimately creepy scares. 
Like I think it'll. I think this movie's gonna do really well over time. I think this movie's gonna, it's gonna hold up. And it's only. I mean, it's been a year and a half. I know, but it's. It's just. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating movie. Yeah. So like. That part is like this movie's a movie that like can continuously freak you out. Like there's that scene. There's like multiple scenes where like you can see something. Like each character's like starting to see, like something like an apparition. It's like in Lake Mungo. Like Lake Mungo, a really good movie by the way. Like how they yeah. how they wanted to see something. Right. But they were actually seeing something. It is, it like is. Lake Mungo is also about a family trying to recover, coping from with the death of their daughter. Yeah. Yeah, there's the some brothers are taken. No, neither brothers are taken at well. Like one brother in Lake Mungo, a one like a brother. The brother dresses up as the sister. Yeah, that's does weird, weird stuff, man. and then they uncover some weird stuff with their daughter. And it's yeah. a good. You should check out Lake Mungo, by the way. Yeah, I actually had not put that connection there. That's a good connection. Um, another thing I did find fascinating about this movie that I thought was subtle yet creepy was the far away shots of some of these people like sinister characters um like the one of that woman from far away like where the over by the gate or something and then you had the the one at the school of the male who's like gesturing for that person to come who is it peter to come into the like you know that window of the door and he's kind of, oh, yeah. it's like you have that kind of far away shot from the end of the hall where he's like kind of motioning Peter to come into the room. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's like so subtly creepy because you can't really see any like description, uh, uh, like any character, like profile, yeah. like on their face, facial profile or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, yo, that's not I'm really like, cool, man. I'm like, that's very sinister. Yeah, dude. What would you do if someone was doing that to you, bro? Well, I'm just like, it just, it's very subtle that's good and i liked it i like it crikey and so yeah that that was that was just kind of weird not gonna lie not gonna front that was a bit different <laughs> and so like and, and we so, talking like that and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anne's working on a project so she's at like whatever the local hobby lobby and it's one thing i want to point out so as she's exiting that can you not like oh, start darn fires in my house i'm sorry so, I was just messing with it. So yeah. as like she's walking out oh, wow. like her local like hobby store, you see a couple walk into it, which looks a lot like Christian and um, Danny from Midsummer. And some people on yes, Reddit, some people a, have Reddit have theorized that this that is a shared like universe. It. Yeah, could be. Which honestly, I could believe. Just, Ari Aster's creating his own universe. Yeah. So like something about the Johnsons is probably in this universe too. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be it's kind of different. So. Um, Anne's character like appears and was like, "Oh yeah, I had a seance and we were able to talk to my son Louis, and you should try it out." And I'm like, "Yo, you know what?" Yeah. Well, once she starts getting into the seances, that's kind of the beginning of the end. I feel like for um, for Tony Collette's character. That's where it's kind of it kind of starts going downhill, like rapidly. Like you start seeing it more and more. Like she's really into this idea of bringing Charlie back using. Uh, a medium yeah. like a seance to do that yeah and it's yeah you're kind of like oh my gosh she's in too she's in too deep she's in, in too, too deep and i'm trying to keep <laughs> <laughs> all right enough some 41 yeah, so like, i was like see she goes and she has this seance and like a lot of freaky stuff happens like i'll be honest man i don't mess with superstitious stuff bro 
Like you, if I see a Ouija board bust out of bust out like a gathering, I'm walking straight out. I'm I'm walking home, bro. I'm walking home to listen to some underoath, you know, because I ain't I, I ain't about that stuff. If that's what y'all into, go ahead, man. I'm not judging. It's just not for me, man. <laughs> Ouija boards and furry parties are two things I'm not about, man. Furry parties. Yeah, man. Google it. Yeah, and so like that's just, but like she believes what she sees or whatever. Like a flame pops out of nowhere. When she's like, Louie, how's, Louie? How's, how's Charlie? And she like answers all these questions. And like, Anne is like, really like believes this stuff now, bro. Yeah. She's all about it, man. Because, and it's just showing her way of coping with loss. It's like Lake Mungo, how the and brother that's was really like. what it's about. Like Lake Mungo, like they try to cope with loss in the unique way they did in that movie. They're coping Rich. with loss in just a different way in this movie. Like, it's. It's kind of it kind of leaves me with the question of like, what is the proper way of dealing with it? Yeah. Like, how do you deal with death in your own family? Like, especially an unexpected death like that. I mean, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Man. I mean, I think you just have to keep an open line of communication all, yeah, at all times. Like, it's like, and I think know, that it gets lost. It's like you kind of have to like just care about your family. You know, it's like. I don't know, it's like me and my, like, you see, you see how me and my parent, like, my mom and dad and I react with each other. We're pretty open about, yeah, about almost everything. Yeah. I, I like, I'm, I, I, like, I am who I am, and they're kind of okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this movie really shows, like, these people aren't okay with who they are. Yeah. And they're just trying to figure it out. And I think we're all trying to do that in a unique way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and also, I feel like you see the, the emotions come to a head at the dinner scene. Where essentially Tony Collette gives like one of the best like performances in her career in that kitchen scene, which is like, "Don't you look at me!" Wasn't Tony Collette? She was also in uh, The Sixth Sense, wasn't she? Yeah. So she kind of plays that, uh, you know, disturbed mom or just the mom that's going through some sort of dysfunction I with read... her kids. She does it pretty well, so I could see why Ari Aster thought she would have been a good fit for this. I role. read that she didn't want to be in more dark roles. But she was offered this role and was so convinced that she took it. Well, because yeah. look at the role she's done since then. Like it's knives out. Yeah, which I I could understand. Like it's you have to kind of go into that dark space in your your own head. It must be hard, man. Like that's a that's, like, that's not an easy place to this come is a back heavy from. Role, bro. It is. I think it's it's even heavier than the one in the Sixth Sense. Like I think. Really? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean you. Cause the she's not the the character that she plays in the Sixth Sense is not the central character in the movie, so it doesn't have as big of a role. This she's she's the lead role here. Yeah, like this thing is that's what makes me mad. I feel like the Oscars ignore horror movies, and Tony Collette's role they do man was a groundbreaking role, bro. This was her ju- that scene alone where she's going off on Nate. Mm-hmm. And we're like, cause Nate's blaming her. Nate's like, well, it was your fault. Don't you cuss at me, you little shit. <laughs> with that face on your face. Yeah, with that face on your face. I was like, I was like, okay, Tony, relax, relax. Oh, man. Take it easy. It Take had it me easy. spooked. Hey, well, can we also talk about the uh, the the dreams? Like, the, is it a dream that she's having when she goes into his bedroom? Oh yeah, so like, and she's like opening up to him. No, yeah. Like, oh, she's can doing I bring it up real quick? Like, one weird thing about the mom and Charlie, like, she brings up about that, though, like, oh, yeah. when Charlie, when, um, her mom was really weird about, uh, Peter being born. Yeah. Because, uh, the demon needs a male host in order to survive. 
and she was really weird. So like she like cut off Peter from his grandma. Mm-hmm. And when Charlie was born, the mom like was like her mom was so into the child that she tried to breastfeed it herself. And like one yeah. of like the miniature houses that she made is literally <clears throat> that. Like her mom like with her poop boob out. And like the mom was like really obsessed with it. And I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Because like the mom really wanted to nurture a son. But because her son killed himself and her husband died. And honestly, it's probably in connection to the the demon um, that the that the, her cult worships, which later comes light later on this movie as this movie goes about. Mm-hmm. It's like one scene is uh, where she sees ants like going down and it leads to Peter, and there's like a bunch of ants coming out of Peter's mouth. Like when you see Charlie's head later, like early in the movie, she's covered in ants. Yeah, you see her head that's just sitting on the side of the road. Yeah. And like she just freaks out, and Peter's like, "Why are you afraid of me? Why do you, like why don't you love me?" And then she like like it's like she wasn't in control of herself. She's like, "I never wanted to be your mother," like covers up her mouth, and she's like, "I did everything to have a miscarriage. I did everything they didn't tell me." Yeah. I, 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 I and she just makes all these excuses and like, because I guess like I don't remember where it's revealed, but like there was a scene where she sleep sleepwalked and accidentally poured paint thinner all over her and Charlie like over her and Charlie one day mm-hmm. which that's not really normal man not that's ever. not man and well she claims that she sleep she slept walk and that she had a condition like where she would sleep walk that's what she tried to blame it on but like obviously Peter was kind of skeptical and you know it freaks him out and I just think uh, she could never really be honest with them and this was like her way of almost the first time that she's been honest with her own son about her not wanting him like dude that's that's some heavy stuff you have to talk about like and you could see why imagine your mom literally telling you in high school I never wanted you and I literally tried to cause myself to have miscarriage which what mom would do that because what mom wants to out themselves and look like a horrible mother I think the only time I've ever seen that like shown in a movie was like in the TV show House of Cards when this mom, there's a I think it's season three, season four. I don't, I don't think you ever watched House of Cards, but if you have, or if you haven't, there's a scene in House of Cards where a character's talking to a mom, and she's like, you know what? There's some days where I just want to smother the baby with a pillow. Yeah, I think. Like, and she says it in a joking manner, but she's also being really serious, weirdly serious at the same time. And the kid is mm, okay. I'm gonna leave, and yeah. then this mom like like blatantly says it to her son, and she like wakes up from her dream or whatever. I think this movie is like one of the first movies I've seen where it's actually exploring the darkness of motherhood a little more. Where it's like you can love somebody and yet want to snuff them at the same time. Like basically do away with them. It's like some people aren't meant to be It's like, like that's a really dark thought, isn't it? A really contrasting idea. then again, some people idea. probably have those thoughts, bro. I bet. I mean, it's, it is. It's love-hate right there. I don't know, I mean, man. you... You want to murder your own child? You want to care for a sentient being, bro? Do you want the responsibility? You know? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, man, this this movie really portrays the human emotion, man. But, like, this movie, after 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 the seance, man, this movie starts going downhill. Yeah, you like, see the decay, the, oh, the metaphorical that. decay, like, with those ants. So, like, doesn't in she... The ha- she, she like pulls the family down for like a seance or whatatever. Yeah. And she's like, Charlie, if you're there, she's like, freaking them out. She's like, if you're there, move this, uh, this, like move this candle. And the candle like moves like a solid like far distance on the. Yeah. The, and 
And the dad's so skeptic. Dad wants. He looks underneath the table. Doesn't he's like, hey, what are you playing? What are you, Chris Angel over here? <laughs> and like flames, and like I guess Charlie starts talking through her mom. Yeah, you hear both the voices at the same time. And you're like, what? I was like, yo, yo. I'm like, man, if I saw this in real life, now honestly, if someone invited me to this. That's man, when I'm turning on lights. That's I'm calling an Uber, bro. I don't care what I have to do. I'm flying out of there. I'm crawling out of there. I'm levitating out of there. Whatever I gotta do. (laughs) Bust through walls, bro. Like Kool Aid Man style, because I do not mess with this kind of stuff, bro. I'm a believer, bro. I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. I'm a skeptic, so I just I would just dip out until like Peter's freaking out and he just like splashes water in her face, and like she proves that the seance is real and. Is what there's another like and that just blew my mind away. Like the dad's just is not cool with what's going down right now. Well, dad is cool with with you have cool to what's uh, going down right now. And the dad is you kind of feel bad for the dad in this because he's, he's trying to keep the person. family. He's trying to keep the family together, but it's like, how do you keep the family together dealing with something like that? Yeah, how do you I, like man? Like, it's like really, how do you 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 almost you just have to get away normal. from it, man. Like, this stuff is not normal. Like, he's just like this dad. Till death, bro. Till death, man, though. Like, he really loves his wife and his son, but he's also like... He's not sure how to handle this. He's like, y'all got issues that you all need to definitely sort out. Yeah. Like, if you, what would you do if you walked downstairs and you saw your mom and your dad and your sister and brother having a seance like that? Um, I would start to question my own sanity. I would dip because out. I could never imagine my own family members uh, doing no, that. No, I can't imagine your family doing that either. But because that wouldn't be really cool, man. I don't know. As far as like, like that feeling of a spirit or something, I don't know if I would. Uh, I don't know if it's as much that that I would be freaked out by, or if it's more just. I could. It's hard for me to just imagine my own family ever doing something of that nature. And like. Things started going getting weirder and weirder. Like the Charlie sketchbooks is, is drawing pictures of uh, like essentially Peter dying on its own, uh, on its own, and so like uh, Anne tries to burn it. When she does, she starts catching fire herself. Mm-hmm. So she realizes she can't uh, burn it, or else she'll burn alive with it too, and. She tries to like go back to Joanne's house to like figure out what's going on. Right. This whole situation and she notices the floor mat and like she's knocking on the door and there's like a Kubrick hallway scene and you see that there's yeah. like a a triangle carved into a table with Peter's picture face in the middle and you're just like, Yo, what's going on? Yeah. And with it, like it's just kinda weird, like what is going on? So like Peter's at school and you see Ann Dodd's character is like just saying about I expel you. And I was like, yo, man, is no one noticing this lady, this crazy lady yelling at this high school kid? Which I think it's open, he's leaving it open to interpretation whether Peter's imagining this or whether it's real and people just don't care. Or people are like, man, heck, this kid, we don't let Peter in the ways, man. He's kind of weird. Good. Good. Do away with him. Yeah, like, I wonder if he's being exiled socially because he brought his little middle school sister to a party and killed him. But then him. what happens? Oh, like, yeah. Looks the... just, also, maybe the kids are just, like, staying away from him because, yo, he did kill his sister. And he's pretty messed up from it. Like, it's hard to approach. A... Like, how do I, how would I approach Rudy if I, like, knew, like, he was basically the one responsible for 
killing like his little sister or something if you had one it'd be hard to do yeah i'll be like man i'm here for you but damn that's heavy fam i'm like yeah man i'm like yo rudy ain't never been the same since he causes his death man but yeah try to be cool peter just kind of stares off into space and like is just like a wreck yeah like just doesn't was like yo he cries and had dudes hold his hand man it's kind of (laughs) weird Yeah, bro. But anyways, it goes to Peter um, being in the classroom, right? And he's like involuntarily starts well, raising he looks, his hand. He looks at himself, a reflection of himself, and he's like smiling. That's right. He starts smiling, which you, you basically see the demon has basically taken. Well, yeah, because he sees the blue payment light in the classroom that he walks in. So I'm trying to understand, though. I thought only the demon takes possession of him after he dies because... The windows scene where he falls. Dude, uh, I don't know the logic behind all I'm this. I'm not sure, man. I have to this is think weird, about bro. that more. But uh, yeah, you kind of see that he's kind of being taken over. Like his physical body is being taken over. Yeah, because like he literally like has like a mental breakdown and just starts slamming his head up against his desk. And the yeah. entire classroom and the teacher has no idea what's going on. And his crush is looking at him. And I will add this, you know, and... Me and you have honestly seen this in real life before. The people suffering from some kind of mental condition. Oh, yeah. And like, it's weird seeing it in person. I'm like, yo, man, I'm startled. They start self-harming. And they think that there's something else going on. That it's it's not really them. It's like, you know, let's let's just say like hypothetically, like this is all in their heads. Mm Mm-hmm. People like that suffer from like mental conditions. They see the stuff they're seeing, bro. Like they're taught. Like when you watch, like it, it looks it, like it's like you like when you watch someone like talking to like their imaginary friend. They're they're literally seeing that person. Exactly. So like I believe it too because let's just say maybe none of the demons are real and all the family members are just coping with their this death in this way of just like imagining stuff uh-huh. they're seeing everything that's happening bro. that's true so i mean they're clearly freaked out and we the audience are um a witness to it yeah um i was gonna say like i mean you stayed up for like uh, like a full day or two before like you've had to stay up like yeah like right. n- without any sleep yeah like your brain will start hallucinating after a little while like that's crazy to think like just sleep deprivation can be a cause of like like you start seeing things that are actually not there. You stay awake a certain amount. But of you time. are seeing that. Yeah. Like you stay awake for a certain amount of time. It's literally like you're blowing up yeah. something. Like Like I've done that before, that. dude. Now like I start getting like kind of paranoid. I'm like, what like why is that moving? Like Ooh, it's weird. Like you know? I like seeing people that are like that are like dope that are like super high on meth. Yeah. And they've been awake. Oh, I've been awake for seven days. And they're just like you can see like everything that they're talking about. Yo, that's really happening to them, bro. Like they're they're mm-hmm. living this and like watching this movie. I feel like this movie played mental disorder and like family dysfunction so well. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I haven't seen it done this well since American Beauty and Cats. <laughs> you just want to throw cats in there randomly. Of <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know they're not getting much sleep with uh, you know yeah, all this like, coping having this to dude, deal with the yeah, loss. Let's just face it. Look, look, here's the theory. None of the demons are real but this family's just trying like it's just hallucinating off the head because let's think about it. This dude literally killed his sister. He had to park the car. Well, he then, didn't kill her but he's responsible for her dying. Like he's responsible for his sister's death. Yeah. So he has to do with that. Deal with essentially his mom hates him. 
His mom never she, wanted to be She born. can't forgive him. Yeah. And Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, holy shit. The, what are you doing? I feel bad for the dad. Somebody needs to check up on the dad to make sure he's okay, man. Because he's really going through with it with how dysfunctional his family is. When does she go up to the attic and uh, find... Is it after that that she goes up to the attic and realizes the stench oh, yeah, or whatever? Isn't the, isn't the dad picking up the son because of his Because of his incident where he breakdown. started just smashing his head into his desk? So, like, she goes upstairs and sees that her mom's body was dug up. Yeah. Because in my head, I'm like... She did that. I'm like, yo, y'all... <laughs> you did or, that. Or the... Or, like, the people in the cult. Because, so, when she visits um, Joanne's place, she sees a floor mat. And she goes into her mom's old stuff and notices the floor mat. And then she starts going through the photo album and realizes, oh, my mom was in a cult. Yep. That worshipped a demon. And she also was very good at knitting, but also very unoriginal. She was very manipulative. What did you think? That's kind of weird, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so this is this is all breaking out. And so, like, how are you just now noticing that your mom's body is upstairs? Let alone, how have you not smelled it until there's literally a, a hive of flies up there? It's a good question. Movie armor, bro. And so, like, the movie's just going, breaking out to all-out insanity. So, like... And like it's possessed by the demon at one point when um she brings her husband downstairs and she like explains like I tried to burn the book but it won't burn so like he tries to burn it and then he literally burns alive and then she gets possessed by the demon and like starts crawling around and it she she was freaking me out there oh yeah the freakiest scene ever is when like what is Peter doing in his room or whatever and he turns and he, he starts like, hearing like. The, the wood, I don't know, like, what is he hearing? Like, the sawing or yeah. whatever going on? Yeah, but then again, like, he, like, and you see in the background, there's a man watching him, and it's the man from the funeral. Yes. And I'm like, yo, bro. Catch it, the lighting in this movie is, like, really well done, too. Oh, dude, the cinematography because is amazing. They keep it, like, dimmed enough that you can only see, like, little silhouettes, and it's very unsettling. But, uh, yeah, he goes downstairs. He's looking around, um, only to find that his mom is levitating up on the ceiling, slicing her throat, her own throat. Yeah, man. And she's just staring down at him, like, creepily. Well, oh yeah, let's also not forget, like, so the mom, like, chased him around the house. Yeah, and then it jumps to that, like, she comes out of that dark corner, yeah. just chasing him. Dude, I, I flipped out, bro. And there's also people in the room where he's at, too. And um, he sees the only option when he sees a bunch of naked people and also his mom chop his head, her head off, he jumps out the window. Yeah. So, these people that are part of the cult, I mean, are they some... I don't know, some sort of other representation of, like... They're a cult that worships a certain demon. Which, yeah, but it's like, it's they're finally revealing themselves. Yeah. It's like, it's like you... Well, the, you saw hints of it throughout the whole movie. It starts movie. revealing itself more and more. Yeah. I mean, what is that supposed to mean there? Dude, who knows, man? It's like, this is just pure insanity. So he jumps out the window and dies. dies. And you see the blue light go into him. And he just starts floating. And I remember watching this in theaters. And, with, and I saw this movie with you. Yeah. I remember being like, what is, what is going on? Had you seen Rosemary's Baby by the time uh, that you had seen this in theaters? Yeah. Okay. 
Because, yeah, when this end scene came on, like, it made me think very much of, like, the end scene of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, how, like, it was Rosemary's Baby, that whole Hell thing is being, being orchestrated the entire time. Yeah. And so, like, he floats up, and there's a ton of people on their knees, his mom's cut off head, his sister, the, the body of the grandma are up there, and all these worshippers of this cult. And you see, you hear Ann Dodd's voice in the background, and it's like, you are king now, you have left. Like, we are rejecting the Trinity, which yeah. is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the only worship is demon. And I was telling you how I liked how they didn't show who was speaking in that yeah, scene. Yeah, it was ominous, bro. It kind of made it a little more unnerving. It was spooky. It's because you can't see visibly who's talking. And that, you know, that kind of, fr- it's always frustrating. Like, when you go to uh, some, like, event where they're speaking with a microphone or whatever, but you can't see who's talking, do you ever, like, you're like, who is that that's talking? Yes, bro. And Have so you ever had that? And I'm just like, what is going on? Where is that? It's kind of unnerving. So I think it was like really well done there. Where uh, she starts talking. And, and then they start saying, Hail Payman. And uh, they're all bowing to him at this point. And then can we talk about the uh, statue? Or the idol that they were worshipping? The sloppily made statue. <laughs> we both thought it was like really sloppily put together. Like, like really... Y'all are going to worship this thing? Like, y'all went through this much effort to get him as the king, but y'all can't put together a decent-looking, you know, idol? Yeah. And, like, the, the lighting for this scene was just, like, super well done. Like, overall, the, the, this is honestly one of, like, the best shot A24 films I've seen. I agree. And you definitely have... Uh, Next to Moonlight. Ari, Ari Aster has a very distinct way of shooting it. Like yeah, and this was his first feature film, bro. Midsummer, like, because it did. It reminds me of Midsummer in certain areas. But I like how this movie is like shot almost entirely in dark darkness, like, because it's like the house is dark and it has this cold, ominous feeling at all times. But then Midsummer is like shot almost entirely in light. Yeah, light. And the thing is, Ariaster, Ariaster just like has really good films. Like he has a movie called Something About the Johnsons, and it's it's an it, it dude. Okay, you just gotta see it for yourself. It's a it's a wild ride of a small short film, yeah. and for him to make this is a really groundbreaking. It's interesting how they parallel Midsummer and Hereditary, like that picture that you're showing. Yeah, where it's it shows them side by side in a few of the shots, like yeah. the ending shot in both movies. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting the parallels there. So he gets crowned king or whatever, and the cult on it like same how she's crowned like the queen in the end of Midsummer. Yeah. It's interesting. And so the the basic plot of this movie is like from what we have gathered is the brother like her uh, Patty's Annie's <clears throat> brother killed himself because he didn't want to become possessed with a demon along with the father who starved himself and then so the 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 grandma was proclaimed queen and so when Peter was when Peter was forced to reject his grandma and the grandma got obsessed with Charlie Charlie became like the like the vehicle to get to Peter. Mm-hmm. So this is essentially a long game yeah. to get to this and to make it happen. And it finally happened. Hail payment. I ain't messing with that, bro. Dude, how about... Um, and I strongly encourage... If you haven't seen this movie or are at least interested and uh, you know have seen it and liked it, uh, if you haven't seen Rosemary's Baby, I strongly encourage you to see that as well because Rosemary's Baby... I felt was like, like the vibe of them. That movie is very similar to the vibe in this movie. 
and just dealing kind of with the, I don't know, man, demon it, like just paganism, like just um, the occult. The occult. Um, um, also dealing with family trauma. There is family trauma. I mean, she got raped by the devil in Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, nothing gets, <laughs> nothing gets pretty bad. But um, one difference I think I do notice, uh, or at least what it seems like to me, from my opinion, is that this movie's shot, like the way it's shot, it's like the camera's a little more omniscient, where it's kind of gliding, and you're just you're kind of a witness to everything that's going on um, as the audience. Whereas Rosemary's Baby, it's kind of putting you in Rosemary's shoes, and kind of seeing it from her side. And you kind of see like her perspective. So it's more of a subjective view. So you're really not sure whether she is actually seeing it or whether it's really happening. Yeah. And I think Roman Polanski was also a very good director. But I do not support the lifestyle he lived. <laughs> Let me clarify that right now. Yeah. I do not support anything uh, he did, uh, Roman Polanski did. But, but we will appreciate the great films that he did make. Yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate the artist. But not the person. Yeah, I do not appreciate the art, but not the artist. Exactly. That's probably better. Don't clown on, don't clown on us, bro. And so I I like when it comes to this movie, like Eraser as a director, I'm really excited to see where he goes from here because he said he's not going to do any new horror or thrillers. That's a shame because man, it's like why do these guys, people want to get out horror because they like don't get the recognition they deserve. Yeah, maybe he wants to win an Oscar, bro. But I'm like James Wan too. I'm like, please come back and do horror. Because they're so well done, and I just feel like... Is he going to direct a Marvel movie now? What's he going to direct? Ant-Man 4? I don't know, man. Hopefully not another Aquaman. Ant-Man 4 throwing, like, (laughs) the devil. Another, like, like the 13th Fast and Furious movie? God's Not Dead 4? Jeez. Every Ace is going to direct God's Not Dead 4. Give me cancer now. I was like, doggone it, man. Like, what's he going to direct? Like, like an actual family drama, but not have demons in it? Which I think he's capable. Like, he can do... I, he's one of those directors like he's gonna become one of those directors I feel like I just even if I don't like the movie I have to go see it because it's him yeah like he's gonna turn into one of he's those he's like me with Sam with when it comes to TV shows or like me with any anything done, Dennis Villeneuve puts out oh, I'll, I'll yeah. watch I, I think hands yeah. down bro don't same thing and Quentin Tarantino I'll watch David Fincher like I'm kind of like with, with those guys Billy too. Scott like those guys I, just, I have to have Fred to go see it. Fred Durst, the fanatic. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I need to go see it. And, but uh, so, like this movie overall, it's it's a good movie, man. I'm not gonna lie. And you still they, like Midsummer more though, right? Oh, and I do like. I'm not gonna lie. I like Midsummer more. Okay, and I like this movie more. But I just thought Midsummer was long-winded in certain spots, where I felt like it got a little tedious. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, they're both really extremely well done films, so it's hard to really. Nitpick. Do you feel like Ari Aster is going to make a name for himself in the film industry? Just like, dude, he already has. I mean, he already is, and I certainly think it's not going to stop anytime soon. He's because he's a director with a vision, and uh, it's a very distinct vision, and I think it's fascinating to see where he goes from here, and what he wants to do. But. Uh, do you have any more thoughts on Rosemary's Baby? The thing about Rosemary... How it ties in? The thing, the, like, I like the way Rosemary ties in because like everything was being orchestrated from behind the scenes without her knowing. And that was the same yeah. for Annie. Like All these things were happening in her life without her 
even being aware of what was going that on. That kind of creates an unsettling environment, like as she's slowly it's like the discovering show, it. But with the devil. Yeah, and it's like we are slowly discovering it. Yeah, that's a good uh, analogy, I guess. But uh, I still think that one one of the greatest scenes I've seen in cinema is where she's having the dream. It's the dream sequence, and she's being raped by the devil. Yeah, that, like to like to me that came out that came out in the sixties. I'm like, this is dude. Yeah, that like shot that like, that is like, could you imagine in the sixties like something like that taking place? Like them touching on a topic like that. Like that's so ahead of its time to me. It's fascinating, but yeah, like overall, and the thing is, like, this is the sixties, bro. This is way before the satanic panic of the eighties. They had, and they were, and and that movie got released in. How well did it do when it came out? It did well. I mean, it won a yeah. it won a couple, one or two Oscars. I mean, I know. Um, oh, yeah, is, but this is the '60s, bro. This is crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, you did speak on the style in, in in that movie too. Yeah, how it seemed like it could be, it could have come out like last year. Yeah, because it's like it's kind of like we repeat style or trends, fashion yeah. trends, and it's like kind of relevant today even. So it's interesting that. Uh, just cycles back around like that. How many spags would you give this film? Um, Hereditary, I give nine. Man, I really like a nine and a half, maybe. I'm giving nine, I'm giving, nine, nine and a half. I'm giving it eight point five spanks. Yeah, it's it's up there. Definitely, like within the last few years, it's definitely top five films in the last ten, five, five years, maybe. Yeah, as as feel like for the horror genre. I feel like it's either like, ooh, we get spooky ghosts, ooh, we get people getting this tortured. This has no cliches. I love that about yeah, this. Yeah, like, we get people getting tortured. Uh-huh. Uh, ooh, found footage film. Oh, no. Zombies. Yeah, zombies is way too overdone for and me. It's like, and it's not, they're not scary to me. And, like, for this, it's like, oh, like, dealing with trauma, and we don't want to communicate with others, so we literally project it in our, yeah. like, and like in other ways, which isn't healthy at all, you know. Yeah. That's it's, that's why I like this movie, and that's why I like Mid Midsommar was. This is pretty upfront about it. Midsommar is more. It's more about how to deal with a breakup. This was how to deal with the like how to deal with the death in your family. Yeah, but so both like, are kind of like situations of like loss. Yeah, like this know? is loss. But I feel like late. I feel like because her family, her sister kills herself, right? Yeah. So. Well, no, her sister kills herself and, and the family and her mom and dad. So I mean, she's, she's kind of messed up too. And deal with the fact that her boyfriend doesn't love her anymore. Yeah. Like hasn't loved her for a year. Yeah. They didn't even know how long they were dating. Yeah, he wasn't a very good boyfriend. And he seems like he was just kind of a dirtbag, and all his friends. Were well, like, like he was just kind of staying with her for. The fact that like she like I don't know he was about to break up with her, but then he realized like oh you're. It, Look awkward if I break up with you after your sister just. Yeah, he's too parents. worried about how other people would perceive him. Yeah. So he stays in the relationship even though he's really not into it at this point. So. I'm not feeling it. But we've already covered that one. So if you want to revisit that one, go to our last podcast where we talk about Midsummer. Oh yeah, we so. covered it earlier on. That was like in like in our in our existence as a podcast. So yeah. If you don't want to check that out, you should. But uh, do you have any final thoughts on this? No, I think uh, I think when I asked you, like, what do you think this like movie is really about? I thought it was a good answer uh, that it's just you know, what was it like talking with a family member? Like just talk like 
talk it through with your family, you know? Like, because uh, some of this could have been prevented had there just been, like, honest, upfront. And it's sometimes it's painful, like, you know, for her to open up that she never really wanted to have her son in the yeah. first place. Like, that is a hard or maybe it's conversation. Therapy instead well, of therapy Well, just, yeah. Like, but they keep every, they kept everything so bottled up and, like, wouldn't like, communicate. It, like, would you be like, hey, mom, dad, instead of going to therapy, can we just hold a seance and possibly open up a gateway for the It's like, family? yeah, they, they search for the answers with all these other outside, you know, like religions, yeah, occults, therapy, whatever. But they're not actually communicating with their own family members. They're neglecting their own family members. So it's like they're searching for it in all the wrong places. Yeah. So that's, that's my final thoughts on it. Yeah, man. I, uh, I enjoy this movie through. overall. If you haven't seen it yet, it's really good to see it. Ben, also, I'm just really stoked to see what Ari Aster has with them in the future. And uh, for anyone listening, if you want to be on a, like a future episode of Reddit Views, just if you can get a hold of one of us, just just do it. We're not a seek, we're not a cult. We're not going to ask you to sacrifice a member of your family or cut the head off of a bird because that'd be kind of weird. If you're if you want to be on a we could episode, be a cult. We we should make a cult. We might. We'll see. We are we, depends we, on how far we go. With we are this. loosely connected to the Adventist Church, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Cold moves, no smoke, no twenty twenty. Uh, Hit us up. Peace Rider out. Reviews out.